You guys, uh, thank you everybody that participated. If you're new here, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're Pure Sunridge, a guest, or you're just checking us out online, you know, you are welcome here. You're welcome because, you know, nobody's perfect and anything's possible because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so uh, I hope that if you're, if you're new here, you really felt that when you came on our campus. Um, how many of you guys were alive? Or let, let's, let's do it the other way. How many of you are still alive? How many of you were not born yet by 1989? Raise your hand. Let me see all the young people. Wave them. Put them up big and high. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. You know, well, if you weren't born then, you missed out on a lot because 1989 was a banner year. There's a lot of cool stuff that was going on. I want to show you some of those things with slides. Maybe this will prompt some of your memories. You know, the, the internet was launched in 1989. That's true. Also, uh, the Berlin Wall came down in 1989. Uh, the Exxon Valdez ran aground in 1989. We had the first liver transplant and San Francisco experienced a 6.9 magnitude earthquake. Near and dear to my heart is the U. The Miami Hurricanes won the National Collegiate Football Championship. I'm from Miami. Don't hate. Um, then also at Super Bowl, the 49ers won Super Bowl that year. Uh, what, 2016 over the Bengals. Uh, if you wonder about some of the top music, top 10 hits, uh, included uh, She Drives Me Crazy by the Fine Young Cannibals. How about that? Come on now, give it back. Uh, there was Eternal Flame by the Bengals. Uh, you know, girl band, girl band, super cool. And then, of course, uh, you know, Madonna came out with like a prayer, which that's the year that she became a Christian, I think, you know, so, um, and then top movies were Roger Rabbit, uh, you know, Coming to America with Eddie Murphy, Good Morning Vietnam, classic, and of course, Crocodile Dundee, and then top TV shows, Cosby, Roseanne, and Cheers, so, like, 1989, it was an awesome year, and what you may not know is that in 1989, I started my career as a fireman. If, you, if I've never told you that I was a firefighter, that's when it all started. So um, a lot of things happened in 1989. It was a great year. But, you know, the most amazing thing of all that happened in 1989? Sunridge Community Church Incorporated as a church. And so I just want to start right here by just thanking God for his provision for this church. Will you join me in prayer? God, that... Seems like such a long time ago. And as uh, our former, one of our former pastors said, Greg Sitters, you know, Sunridge has existed so that there would be more people in heaven from the Murrieta and Temecula Valley. And that is true because of the presence of this church. We thank you for the way that you've, you've taken care of us. You've had your hand on us. You, um, you provided for us. And you've given us such a great community of faith here where we can grow together. We thank you for that, God, and all that glory goes to you. Amen. So I hope you come back for the big party tonight. It's going to be a rager, so you need to be here. Um, actually, it's, it's going to have a very serious side, too, because we are truly grateful to God for what he's done in this church. And you're going to see that we're going to lead you through some experiences that will highlight that 
for you, whether you've, you're brand new here or you know the history and been around a long time. You know, uh, over the past few weeks, we've been going through this series we call The History of Us, which uh, we've been looking at the history of God's people all the way back to the children of Abraham. And then we saw how Jesus fulfilled the promise that was given to God's people. And then last week we looked at how the movement of the church was launched and uh, catalyzed by uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one thing we know throughout history is there have been all kinds of changes in the church, right? And there have been an amazing number of changes to Sunridge since we began as a Bible study in uh, the local high school football coach's living room, Bud Kane, and a local ER nurse, his wife, Sue Kane. And we, they didn't even go to church when the Bible study started in their living room. Imagine that. And a lot of things have changed over the years. But one thing has not changed. The mission that God has given us. And I'm going to talk about that today. But before I talk about mission, you know, there can be a lot of confusion about the difference between mission and purpose and values. So let me, let me like illustrate it this way. If you're in the army, the, the army has seven core values. They are loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. And if you're in the Army, in terms of purpose, you might be an infantry unit, you might be an artillery, but it's the mission that you receive when you're in the infantry or artillery and where you bring your values to bear. It's the mission that you're accomplishing. It's the hill that you have to take. That's your mission. The church has a mission too. And Sunridge has a mission. It is this. Hopefully you're familiar with this already. But we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. You know, <clears throat> uh, the first Sunday of every month, we do a welcome brunch right across the hallway here. If you're new, you should come to that. It's free food. You get to hang out for an hour or less. We get to meet you, and we tell you a little bit about our church. And in that brunch, we field questions. And we've been asked all kinds of questions that matter to people who are looking for a church. You know, they want to know, like, what do you believe about the Bible? How do you teach the Bible? Well, you know, wh where does prayer happen in the church? Explain, explain your philosophy of worship or are there groups here or Bible studies? And, you know, uh, we've been asked, you know, well, tell me what your wife does as part of the church here. And, and the best question of all was, uh, do you guys have basketball? That's my favorite question of all. And I was able to say, yes. Yes, we do have basketball. And that guy played all the time. These are all things that we do. But, you know, you have to ask the question, why do we do the things that we're doing? We're not doing them just for the sake of doing them, right? You see, that's where mission comes in. Whether it's studying the Bible, worshiping, praying, going to a group, leading a group, whatever it is, singing worship here, playing an instrument, whatever we do, 
Those are just things that we do that should be helping us fulfill the mission. They're not, they're not the mission. They should be helping us accomplish the mission. And the reason why that's important, Christian, is you know all these things that become important to us in being part of a church, and they're all good things. They're things that we ask about in joining a church, the Bible and truth and um, you know, uh, prayer, whatever. Um, they're all very important. But you know, they're all things we're going to be able to do in heaven. We, the, the Bible, I think the word of God is eternal. So the Bible's going to be there. The only difference is we're going to really understand it. And all the stuff we think we know about it, we're going to truly understand it. And we're going to be able to worship Jesus just like we do now, but it's, we're going to be uninhibited. And it's going to be crowded. And the band's going to be perfect. And your voice is going to be angelic. You're going to be able to worship like never before. There, there's just all these things we're going to be able to do in heaven. There's one thing you won't be able to do when you get there. The mission to help people find and follow Jesus. That is the only thing that you will be able to do in your lifetime that you will not be able to do in heaven. That's something to think about. So I want to talk about the mission today, and I'm going to look at three, three things that I think are important to bring out about this mission of helping people find and follow Jesus. Here's number one. Our mission begins and ends with Jesus. It begins and ends with Jesus. You you're going to hear these phrases around here a lot. We are a Christ-centered church. We keep the main thing the main thing. So if you come here for any length of time, you know, you're going to hear about Jesus a lot. Let me illustrate it this way. I once heard a story about a children's Sunday school teacher who wanted to use a story about squirrels to illustrate a point to her students. And so she sat them all down and says, okay, I'm going to talk about something. And when you think you know what I'm talking about, I want you to raise your hand. And so she started off and said, okay, the thing that I'm thinking about, it lives in trees and it eats acorns. Children didn't stir. And she said, it can be gray or brown. And it has a long, bushy tail. She looked around and none of the kids were, they were leaning forward, they wanted to answer, but nobody was raising their hand yet. And then she said, this thing that I'm thinking about, it chatters and it, it waves its bushy tail when it's excited. And then finally, one little shy kid raised his hand. And she said, okay, Michael, what, what am I talking about? And he said, well... I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but it sounds a lot like a squirrel to me. <laughs> right, that's a pe preacher joke. How many ever heard that joke before? <laughs> All right. I'm sure, you know, like if you live long enough, your old jokes come back around as a fresh joke, so I'm thankful for that. You're going to hear about Jesus a lot here. I love how the writer of Hebrews puts it. Hebrews 12, 2, we keep our eyes on Jesus on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Just wherever you're coming from right now, you're, you're, you're new to church, you're struggling, you're on top of it, just, just look at that verse and let it, look at it with fresh eyes. We keep our eyes on Jesus on whom our faith depends from start to finish. 
the mission of the church of helping people find and follow Jesus really starts with keeping our focus on Christ. The way Paul put it in Colossians was he said, set your affections on things above, not on things in the earth, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Put, put your affections in heaven. Place your eyes on Jesus Christ. Jesus has to remain the main attraction at Sunbridge. Now you say, of course it does. You're a church. Of course, of course. but let me explain it this way. You see, we love the Bible here at church. I've given my life to understanding the Bible, and we teach the Bible, and we believe that it's an inspired word of God. But we don't exist for the Bible. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote so much of your Bible, you know what he said? He said, my goal is to know Christ. You see the difference? The Bible reveals Jesus to us. But we don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus Christ. You know, if you follow Christ for any length of time, it will change your behavior. You'll lead a different life, a moral life. But our goal isn't to preach morality here. Our goal isn't to change your behavior and make you a moral person. Our goal is to make you a passionate, help you, not make you, help you become a passionate follower of Christ. And when that happens, your behaviors will change. We care about families and marriages here. We have a course just for marriage alone. But you know, our main goal isn't so that you have a wonderful family. Our goal is to lead you into following Jesus in a way that it affects the way you do marriage and you do your family. We recognize how important faith-based relationships are. We talk about here, we say at church, you know, church is like a family. We need each other and we're meant to grow in the community of faith. But you know, our main goal isn't for you to have Christian friends that you can hang out with all the time. Our goal is to help you put Christ front and center in your life. And when you do that, You'll connect with believers, and you'll grow side by side with them. We, we implement ministries here, and we have strategies, and we have programs. But you know, our goal isn't to hold some program that's near and dear to you or me or anybody else. Our goal is to create passionate Christ followers. And if something we do leads people to do that, we will continue it. And if it doesn't, we won't do it. You see, what I'm trying to say is everyone has a thing. You know, maybe this is uh, my generation's uh, language, but, you know, we all had a thing. We used to talk about, you know, it's your thing, do what you want to do. Not a Christian song. So a thing is the thing, it's your expectation, it's, it's what you're passionate about, and we all have them. You have them, I have them. You have them of me and of Sunridge, and you know what? I have them of you. That's our thing. And there are lots of good things that can become our thing. But sometimes good things can distract us from the main thing. Our things 
can become, we can start to think that the thing is the mission. And it's not. In fact, if our things don't lead us to becoming more passionate Christ followers, to lead us to, to live the vision of helping people find and follow Jesus, that thing is probably a waste of time. It might be sin, and it could be an idol to you. When we put Jesus Christ first and last in our lives, and in the middle, then the mission is a natural outcome of that. Let me put it another way. The last time you had a complaint about Sunridge, now I know you have them. I complain too about Sunridge. I complain about you. We complain about each other. We're Christians. That's what we do. We complain. So this is not, I'm not, I'm not saying your complaints are bad, but the last time you had a complaint, it's like, you know, the church should do this, we should have more of that, you know, be honest with yourself. Was it a thing? Or was your complaint really about why aren't we better at the mission? We all have a thing. So the thing can't be the mission. Right? So where does this mission come from? Jesus has to be front and center if we're going to fulfill the mission. But where, where did the mission come from? Well, this is point two. Our mission was assigned to us by Jesus. Jesus gave it to us himself. So when Jesus pulled his disciples together, he didn't give them a smorgasbord of choices. He didn't say, hey, you're my disciples. Here's 20 things you might do. He didn't do that. Here's what he said in Matthew 28, 19. You're probably so familiar with this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am always with you, even to the end of the age. This is the mission. And, and you'll see, it has two parts. Jesus said, I want you to make disciples, and I want you to teach them. I want you to help people find me, and I want you to help them follow me. And we can't separate that into our, two, our, our favorite category. This is the mission. Let's, can we put that verse back up there just for a second? Just look at that verse, those couple of verses, and I want you to look at it with fresh eyes. Just like, pretend like you've never read it before, and you're hearing it from the for the first time from Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. That's like Jesus looking right at you if you're a disciple. From the time I was a peewee, through college in football, I played linebacker. And typically the inside linebacker or middle linebacker does the play calling for the defense. Not because you're the best football player on the field, um, but because you have a vantage point to see things that are happening and you can make adjustments. But as part of that play caller, you look to the sidelines and you get these razzle-dazzle signals and they translate into a, a, def a defensive strategy. 
And so in the huddle, if you've never been in a huddle, and I, you know, like I've already said I grew up in Miami. I think I've told you before, Nick Bonacani was one of my heroes. He played for the Miami Dolphins, and he used to stand with his legs crossed like this in the huddle, and he would stand like this. So this is how I did my play calling. And I thought somehow this would make me just like Nick Bonacani, which it did not. But I would stand like this, and I'd get the call, and I'd say, okay, everyone's looking at me. So what I'm about to say is the mission. 500 reverts strong, slant strong, blue sky ready, break. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is the play. It's the mission. And Jesus is pulling you together, Christian, in your holy huddle. And he's looking you in the eye and he's saying, this is what we're going to do. Now, if our following doesn't lead people to find Jesus, then we're not on mission. And if our helping people find does not lead people to follow Jesus, then we're not on mission. We have to do both. The equivalent here is, you know, as a football team, when we're in that huddle, we've done all these things to get ready for this moment. We've lifted weights. We've, we've trained. We've run gassers and hills. We've done scrimmages. We've done bull in the ring and isolation uh, plays. We've watched game films, and we've been coached up all week. But those are the things, but they're not the mission. All of that comes together when we make the play and it's the same for the Christian. All these things we do are supposed to translate into helping people find and follow Jesus. That's true of a church. That's true of you. And it's true of me. Here's another way to look at it. If Sunridge was a shoe factory and we were pouring leather and shoelaces and assembly lines and people and payroll and supervisors and, and you, know, all, you know, like the lights on and electricity and all the utilities that you need, and we're pouring that all into it. What do we want coming out the other end of that building? Shoes. How long would your business be in business if you poured all these things into it in your shoe factory and no shoes ever came out? Hey, Christian, where are your shoes? Because there's all this investment in you as a believer. There's Bible study and worship and there's a building and there's training and there's discipleship. Who are your shoes? One of the things that I think we learned in a history of us is how easy it is for God's people in whatever generation we're in to start to think that all these things we do are the most important things. They're not. These things that we do are preparing us for the mission because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the mission that Jesus Christ has given us, which is to help people find and follow Jesus. 
In order to do that, we have to keep Jesus Christ front and center, and we have to have the mission on mind and orient our lives in the way that we live our lives around that. And then lastly, our mission expresses the heart of Jesus for the world. To help people find and follow Jesus is the true heart of Jesus. It's not just a mission. It's where his heart lives. You guys know John 3.16, right? Everyone can quote that. Let's quote it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, all ten of you. <laughs> Put you on the spot there, didn't I? Ooh, ooh. Um, that's more than just the most popular verse in the Bible. That statement gives us the heart of Christ, that God so loved the world. It's what drove Jesus. It consumed him. He talked about it all the time. His, his teachings and his stories were centered on this theme. He impressed it upon his disciples, and when they didn't get it right, he corrected them. He lived it with every part of him. And, and even to the last, even to his last breath, Jesus is still inviting people to find him and follow him. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they do. You'll be in heaven with me today to the thief. And the thing you have to see is Jesus' stories reflect this bias of his heart toward the people that are far from God. You've heard this verse before too, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Do you know what context Jesus said that in? It was in the story of Zacchaeus. Remember, you, if you were a kid as a Christian in church, you sang about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Remember the hand signals? Okay, that's enough. We, we're done. There you go. Okay. Keep going. No. You know, the context in which Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost, is, is the story of Zacchaeus. And Jesus invited himself to have dinner with Zacchaeus. And, you know, at that time, eating with a person was like saying, this, this is my bro. I, I like this person. He, he's my friend. I'm tight with him. I care about him. I affirm his dignity and his value. And the problem with that is that Zacchaeus had become rich by collecting taxes for the Romans and pinching a little bit off for himself. So the good people of Jesus' day did what all good Christians do today. They complained. And, you know, they muttered. And they accused you know, sometimes the Bible kind of gives us like what, what is obviously direct script, like a transcript of what happened. And sometimes you can tell it's like at a 10,000-foot level. And I don't think that Luke here captures the whole conversation. And so, like, I made it up. 
I made up what was actually being said. And so, um, because I think that there was plenty of robust dialogue. This is not scripture, but, but hang with me. Can't you hear it? It's like, wait a minute, Jesus. Don't you know that people like Z Zacchaeus are not like us? He's the enemy. He's against us. He doesn't watch the cable news shows that we watch. He doesn't vote like we vote. He doesn't hold the social positions that we hold. He roots for the Raiders. And he doesn't eat Chick-fil-A. How can he be one of us like that? What's interesting about the story as it goes on is it's obvious that Zacchaeus responds in faith. So imagine with me if Jesus had not gone and had dinner with him. If he had been like what the majority of the religious people around Zacchaeus were like at that time. And it's obvious that this isn't even the first time that Zacchaeus and Jesus have interacted. They've had previous conversations. So there's an investment by Jesus in this man. You know, if you're not a Christian, I want, that, I want this part of the story to really stand out to you. Because you've probably come to church for lots of different reasons. Uh, you might have come because, you know, a great friend invited you. You might have come because you're really low right now. Maybe, maybe like whatever you've been doing, you realize isn't the answer, and you're not sure if this is the answer, but you're willing to explore it. Maybe you've hit rock bottom. Maybe you've been around Christians that, man, they just weren't anything that you wanted to be a part of. And maybe, maybe you have a really good friend in your life that is a Christian and they invited you. I don't, I don't know where you're coming from. But if you're not a Christian, I want you to, I want you to really get this. That Jesus said, I came to seek and save what is lost. And we can feel lost for a lot of different reasons. It doesn't have to be rock bottom. Um, it could just be because whatever you've been doing isn't working for you. And you feel lost. And if you do, Jesus said, I came for you. If you're a Christian... I want this to stand out to you as well. I want you to see that Jesus kept company with people of bad reputation, and in this case, a swindler of his own people. Jesus hung out with cheaters, with immoral people, people who slept in the wrong bed with the wrong person, people with potty mouths, the no-counters, the people who had no influence and didn't really matter in society at that time. He hung out with a completely unreligious. He hung out with people who had different religions than him, and he hung out with people that hated his religion and everything that he stood for. Why did he do that? Is it because he was a compromiser? Because he didn't have strong convictions? No. He tells us why. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So Christian, listen to me here. If you have any resistance to that, 
Like if, if your brain is thrown up about a whatabouts, it's like, you know, there's people out there, if that's where your mind is going, you need to check your heart. Because Jesus said, that's where my heart is. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to embrace what he embraces. And by the way, Christian or non-Christian, who are you in the story? Do you see yourself as the lost? Or do you see yourself as someone who's arrived in a different category that is capable of excluding those who are different or don't measure up is that you see i believe in this story we're all the lost because it doesn't matter how long you've been a christian you still desperately need jesus i've often wondered like why is why do the why do the gospels have so many stories like this that that so reveal jesus's heart for people that a lot of people of his day didn't get. And he made them uncomfortable. He made people really mad even. Why do we have so many of these stories? Is it because history has taught us and Jesus has been able to see all through history of how easily our things become what matters more to us than the mission? how God's blessing to us can be something that we soak up and we never let out. How it can become this thing for us that we, we feel so exclusive, so superior, so above it, that it's really a stretch for us to even care. Sometimes I think we invite Jesus into our heart but we don't embrace his heart. Look, I'm not, I'm not the prophet on the mountaintop here preaching at you. I'm saying that I struggle with this. But I want, I want Jesus to be front and center of my life. I want his mission to be foremost in my mind. And I want his heart to fill my heart. Because when that happens, as a Christian, my life matters for eternity. And when you get this, when, when these things come together for you, the things that you do change sometimes, and then sometimes the very things that you do, your whole perspective in them changes. And when, when our hearts are filled with the mission of Christ and we've embraced that and he is front and center, when I hold babies next door here, I'm doing it for an entirely different reason. It's the reason why I run a marathon in L.A. for clean water. It's why you might sponsor a child with World Vision or Compassion International. It's why you might spend your week preparing a lesson and then getting down on your knees at eye level with the child and share that lesson with them. It's why you faithfully write your offering month in and month out. It's why you've given and supported this deaf ministry that happens over here every second service. It's why you spend time rehearsing a song during the week so that on Sunday morning, God's people can worship together. It's why you play the drums for three consecutive services on Easter. 
It's why you stand out front as part of our first impressions team and you smile and you, talk, you take people around our campus and you show them where their classes are and where their kids go and you help them check in. It's why you stand at that door in the back and help people find a seat and hand them a note sheet and give them a smile and welcome them. It's why you work on Tuesday mornings here, volunteer to do landscaping and painting and all matter of other things. It's why you've tapped your savings in the past so that we can renovate our building. It's why you spend time with kids of special needs in our bridge builder uh, classroom over there. It's why you lead a rooted group or any other group. It's why you build a set for VBS. It's why you serve behind the scenes in ways people, no one could ever know. It's why you sit in that tech booth back, back there and you make my slides move, try to keep up with me, and try to make my sermon sound good. That's what the sound guys do for us. These are things that you could do and think you're just doing something. But if you get it, you're doing them as part of the mission. It's like if you're working on a house and you're pounding on a nail. It's like, what are you doing? I'm driving this nail. Are you driving nail or are you building a home? The things that you do, look, I'm not saying you got to wear a sign and stand out here in the corner with a bullhorn and yell at people, turn or burn. <laughs> if that's what you do, if that's your thing, so be it. It doesn't work. But if you want to do that, I'm cool. But that's not what I'm at. That's not, that's not what we're saying to... To help people find and follow Jesus kind of goes back to like even what we did with asset mapping here. Like we, in, we encourage you, tell us what you're good at. Tell us what you're passionate at. Tell us the things that, that, that matter to you. Because God wants to use you the way you are and the context that you're in, but he wants you to be on mission. And Sunridge will not be a church that exists for helping people find and follow Jesus until the people of Sunridge truly embrace that. We must have more than Jesus in our heart. We must have his heart in our heart. I want more of that. And I think the difference will be in the next 30 years here, the difference for us is going to be whether we see what God has done for us is something to overflow into the lives of people around us or it's just something that we soak up and enjoy. I don't know about you, but I want to help people find and follow Jesus. I hope you do too. They do out there. They're ready to go. They already had their break. Let's pray.